Hey, good day, Lincoln. It's 11.05. Time for How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection. How's it going today? Beautiful day. My Oh, my, we deserve this weather, right? I think we all thought it was going to kind of slip right into uh, the heat of summer, right? Well, happy June 1st to you. We had to say goodbye to May. May, we loved you. During the month of May, you donated 40, over $46,000 to KZUM people during the Give to Lincoln campaign. Man, we could not have done it without you. Thank you so much for all your support for KZUM. You love this radio station. We know you do. And, uh, of course, KZUM doing lots of activities this summer, including uh, Stransky Park starting up. They had to cancel last week. Hopefully this week's on tap tomorrow night at Stransky Park already Thursday tomorrow. And then a brand-new Super Deluxe news program on Saturday mornings. And, of course, awesome music you'll only find at one radio station. That is this gem of a radio station, KZUM Lincoln. And, uh, yeah, and, of course, gardening show, right? <laughs> and not quite your normal gardening show. It's not a gardening show that tells you about what fertilizer you need to apply, what herbicides, uh, you know, uh, insecticides. No, we're not selling a product here, right? Just giving you great community information. And speaking of, a couple events taking place this week in the gardening world. On uh, Friday, we're having a plant sale in Nebraska Statewide Arboretum on East Campus. You can just go to plantnebraska.org to find out where that's located and whatnot if you've never been there anyway from 12:30 till 4:30 this friday to celebrate wildflower week that's right wildflower week uh, starts this uh, weekend and uh, runs the full the first saturday in june and then goes uh, to through the next weekend you can go to plantnebraska.org to see if there's any wildflower related events you want to attend because we're kind of your clearinghouse for information for uh, various entities having events. I know Loritz and Gardens doing a number of things, usually Prairie Plains Resource Institute. And uh, Prairie Pines is also doing an event, and I'm going to be hosting a uh, prairie walkabout uh, this Saturday, June 4th, from 10 till noon, and to help celebrate Nebraska Wildflower Week. We'll walk through the pines and the woods, and then that will lead us to a little prairie, about a nine-acre prairie, on the edge there of Prairie Pines Nature Preserve that is basically an unplowed prairie. So kind of our mission there is going to be how many different species of prairie plants can we identify in our little walkabout. And uh, I think the weather is supposed to be nice. We're not, uh, I think there's a chance of rain Saturday, but I think it's later in the day. And last year was miserably hot, so this year's looking much better. So hope to see you out there at Prairie Pines. This would be a good excuse. You've heard us talk about it on the show. I've had Sue Colas from Prairie Pines Partners on the show uh, talking about this gem of a green space out there at 112th and Adams. A great opportunity for you to check it out and uh, come, come and learn a little bit more about prairie plants and why they're so important uh, to uh, um, ecological diversity and just uh, basically a museum of plants. And that is this Saturday, June 4th from 10 till noon. Uh, go to Prairie Pines Partners or just uh, type in Prairie Pines. You'll see the event there. Uh, Prairie Pines Nature Preserve, sorry, you got to include that. You might, you might go somewhere, for all I know, in South Carolina if you type in Prairie Pines. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's going on this weekend. That's going to be fun stuff. And then, uh, gosh, a week from today, I'm going to be heading out after the program, I'm going to be heading out to the Panhandle to celebrate Wildflower Week. We're having a great event up there in Shadron and then going down to Scotts Bluff Gehring area and having a Pollinators in the Plaza event uh, there at the Gehring Plaza. That's, so that's going to be fun. So, hey, if maybe you're heading out to western Nebraska. You can join us 
Uh, looking forward to that trip too. That's going to be great uh, hiking around and looking at the wildflowers of the Panhandle. Um, that's one of the reasons Nebraska Wildflower Week is set the first week of June because if you want to cruise around and look at wildflowers, Western Nebraska is it. And early June is prime time to see them in your driveabouts as you head out west. Lucinda Mays is going to be calling into the program, hopefully here in a little bit. And she is a retired horticulturist from Shadron State College. We're going to talk about Wildflower Week and her favorite wildflowers and why uh, coming up here in a bit. But, uh, man, we got to talk about the rain last week, too. Man, that was just awesome. And there is some chances of rain in the forecast. You know, I'm just kind of dreading the day when I look at the 14- or 10-day forecast and there's no rain in sight. So at least there's chances of rain coming up. So that's a good thing. Uh, those rains kind of took us out of the drought mode, I guess, right, uh, at least for the, the time being. <laughs> and we could always kick back in there any time, right? Uh, so, so anyway... Uh, that's the thing. And and right now, if uh, for you foragers out there, man, lamb's quarters, great, great time of year for lamb's quarters. Um, well, what else is coming on strong right now? Uh, definitely the purslane is something you should be thinking about harvesting right now. And uh, my, oh, my, take advantage of that free food out there in the landscape. Mulberry season coming on pretty soon. Juneberry season. Hopefully we'll get a Juneberry crop this year. So Get out there and forage and get out of nature. Good time of year to be hiking at Wilderness Park. Just all sorts of things for you to get out and walking out and about. All right, I got a caller on the line, Lucinda. Hello, how are you? Good morning. Good morning from Shadron, Nebraska. Yeah, Shadron, Nebraska. How is your weather, Lucinda? Well, we have had rain. It's in the 60s. The wind is not blowing. It's perfect. <laughs> the wind is actually not blowing. Uh, can you actually think about it, Lucinda, if in a given calendar year when the wind is not blowing in Shadron, Nebraska? Is it like 10% or is it uh, uh, 40% you think? or or just? Oh, you know, <laughs> compared to other parts of the country, the wind is always blowing here. But compared to Wyoming, <laughs> we're, we're not doing so badly. That's uh, funny. It's always breezy, though, at least. And so, uh, so we have a dry conditions because of that so mm -hmm. our plants have to be pretty dang tough yeah how are you guys doing there with the uh the drought i imagine you're certainly not out of the woods are you you know i, I don't know if, no, if the panhandle was kind of put into the extreme drought conditions heading into the spring or was it was it just kind of there it, it really depended on whose model you were looking at but mm. we are uh still under normal for the year although we got three inches in may which is uh really really good the wheat farmers here are celebrating the people uh -huh. raising beef are celebrating because the pastures are actually growing grass and then the horticulturists on college campuses out of the <laughs> are jumping up and down with joy because everything's green and and filling out. Well, folks, this is Lucinda Mays. I told you she was coming on the program. She is a horticulturist at Shadron State College. And I did say that you are retired, but that probably doesn't truly mean that you're completely retired from the Shadron State ca College campus, right? Well, I'm not quite retired <laughs> yet. So I've got another month of being full-time on the campus here. And then after that, I'm going to be part-time on the campus because, you know, gardening is never done. And so I'm kind of tickled to continue to be part of the 
the horticulture operations here at Shadman State. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I'm sure the plants are talking to you too, going, you can't just leave me, Lucinda. You got to come see how I'm doing. And speaking okay. of how I'm doing, I got a text from our own Aaron Clare saying, uh, how are the hazelnuts doing? I know. And tell us a little bit about what's going on there with, uh, with the Nebraska Forest Service and hazelnuts. Well, hazelnuts are, are kind of a cool thing to be able to grow, and we're working with folks to grow some trial American hazelnuts as a nut crop. We also have hazelnuts planted in the landscape, um, not even expecting a crop, but getting some, mm. some of those, too. So I just planted them because they're one of my all-time favorite shrubs. They're absolutely gorgeous. They have the best fall color, and... The, the little pouches that the nuts form in are so cute on the yes, branches. I love it. And it's just a, a low-care shrub. It's a beautiful, soft, medium green all summer long. And then um, this year, this last year, we harvested quite a few. Really? Well, that's quite a few. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a handful? That's <laughs> a gallon of five plants. Wow, Really? Well, that's yeah. pretty good. Are you saying these are the hazelnuts that you're trialing for, Aaron, in the Nebraska Forest Service? Those you already got a crop off, or these were already existing? These were, these have been in the, the ones that made nuts are, are probably, they've been in the ground about 12 years. And okay. every year they make a few, but this year they made a whole half gallon. I see. The ones that were trialing for the Forest Service are not anywhere near old enough to yeah. even make a single nut yet. Right. And those, correct me if I'm wrong, are hybrids, right, that you're trialing the American hazelnut with the European hazel? Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a cross between American and Avalena, I think. Okay. Very That's good. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So you probably have one called Tra Traver Grand Traverse and The Beast. I know uh, those are two yeah. names that we've talked about on the program. Cool, cool. But But they're doing well, right? They're... They're doing well, but they we in order to keep them doing well, we have to cage ours because uh -huh. the mule deer absolutely love to browse. <laughs> I bet they do. It's like you brought me an ice cream cone. Thank you so much. Yeah, and yeah, folks, you think <laughs> you got it? You you think you got problems in the city with squirrels and rabbits? They got mule deer on campus, right? And uh, of course, we don't have mule deer here in southeastern Nebraska. The white-tailed deer, but uh, you'll see the muleys out there in the Panhandle. Well, Lucinda, I appreciate your time today, and and. And uh, one thing I wanted us to talk about while I have you on the program, uh, we, we don't have to take a break to around 1130, so we got time to chat here. Um, okay. Yeah, is, is uh, what is coming up right around the corner. I mentioned it on the air before you came on uh, about Nebraska Wildflower Week. And uh, every year, folks, we do a trek out to the Panhandle, the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, and uh, we go out there and do some things at Shadron State College, and Lucinda's heavily involved with that. And then we traips down to uh, the Scotts Bluff and Garing area and do some things there. And then on Saturday, Lucinda, uh, on our way back, before we head back, we're going to go and do a tour of a prairie there in Kimball County. So looking forward to that. And uh, my, my colleague, Justin Evertson's old stomping grounds on uh, from his brother, of all people, is going to give us a tour because he's a wildflower enthusiast as well out in the panhandle. So, so tell us a little bit about uh, why people need to go see uh, and, and maybe mention a few places out in the panel, because I think a lot of times folks, they're going out to maybe uh, Fort Robinson to, you know, maybe it's a family reunion or a little mini vacation, whatever. 
or they're heading up to the Black Hills and they don't even think to stop, which they should, can you tell people some great places they need to visit if they find themselves in the Shadron area? Oh, absolutely. I grew up in Buffalo County in the Kearney area, and even even as a native Nebraskan, I didn't really have a notion as to what all was out in this part of the state until we moved here about 25 years ago. It's absolutely unlike the rest of the state. There's lots of buttes. We are part of the Pine Ridge, so we have naturally occurring pine forests. Um, we also have planted areas, but the, the naturally occurring forests along the ridge are, are just as pretty as any mountain trip you'd like to make. Uh, whenever I have folks come to visit us in this part of the country, I try to take them to that part of the uh, federal land called Toadstool Park. Yeah. Uh, because it's quite, quite an interesting and Oh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a, a kind of desolate looking, but when you get out there, all of these exposed fossils and little tiny ephemeral wildflowers that show up whenever there's a rain and then go hiding away whenever <laughs> it's dry. And so it's an absolute must if if you uh, come out to northwest Nebraska. The college campus itself has a new labyrinth uh, that's been built in the bottom of the old city cistern from the late 19th century. So the students in the mm. art department created a wandering path through the through the floor of the old cistern. So that's pretty cool. interesting. There's not all that many labyrinths in the state, and I think this is the only one on any of the state colleges. So, and we're going to be pretty. we're going to be looking at that uh, when we come out aren't we uh, in, a, in in next week for the love of Pete I got to yeah. I got to already say that next week yeah that's cool yeah. and so yeah Let's check out the campus too yeah. yeah, yeah, and we're going to be hiking at Toadstool, as uh, Lucinda said. And Lucinda, I can tell us a little story. I remember being out in Toadstool for the first time. We were vacationing. Uh, we we did a couple, three days in Nebraska in the Panhandle before we headed up to South Dakota, right? And one of our stops was at Toadstool because got to see it. And I think it was a high of 105 that day. And uh, oh, okay. puppy dogs. And it was like in August. So I thought, man, there's like no life here. Like you said, it seems desolate until you get out of your vehicle. And there's a nice hiking trail you can take. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. They might get out of their vehicle, kind of wander around a little bit on the on the bluffs and say, okay, I'm, let's get back in and go. You've got to immerse yourself. And I think that trail's not very well known. Um, it's not very well marked. Or is, am I wrong there? Well, it kind of depends on how distracted you are by the other things that you're right. doing, I guess. But, <laughs> but there's plenty of markers there, um, and it's there's too, there's interpretive signs and there's uh, mile markers along the way so that you know you can go from this post to that post. But it is very strenuous. It is not a, a walk to take if you don't have uh, good shoes and a bottle of water with you. So. You're right. <laughs> folks need to kind of keep that in mind and everybody out here tells you if you see it start to rain and you're out at toadstool you beat feet out of there because the <laughs> soil that's out there is called gumbo and when it gets wet it's greasy and when it's greasy you get up to your hubcaps and you wait for oh boy it to dry oh boy <laughs> Ah, uh, that brings back memories. Yeah, because the last time we were there, yeah, we could. Uh, thunderstorm was heading our way. We got out of there just in time, I remember. And uh, yeah, yep. and yep. so we we heeded your warning. 
So, folks, if you're yeah. listening and you've been to Toadstool, you know it's nature's art. It's it's a, an, an amazing place. Absolutely and, gorgeous. And then the oldest state park in the state and the biggest state park in the state are both within a few miles of Shadron. Uh, Fort Robb is the biggest. It's an old uh, cavalry post from back in the day. And then uh, Shadron State Park is the oldest state park, um, and it just celebrated its 100th anniversary Dang. a couple of years. Wow, wow. They're really beautiful parks. And then uh, if you go uh, even further west to um, Coffee Park, that's a park owned by the city of Harrison. City of Harrison. How big do you suppose Harrison is? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, they've got 14 stoplights, don't they? No. Okay. okay. They do have a sign outside that says uh, Harrison next four exits because there's four streets. Yes, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But a, but a, the, the far northwestern town in Nebraska, people, and a, a cute little town nonetheless, and I think, and, and like you say, their coffee park, uh, is that in like what's termed as South Belly Canyon or not? No, it's closer to Pants Butte. And if you've never heard of these places, then you probably need to come out here and explore a little yeah. more because it's... It's taken me years to find all of these places, and it's so beautiful. Uh, Gilbert Baker Wildlife Management Area is out here with um, uh, spring-fed ponds. I'm trying to remember what kind of fish the guys were catching on. Uh -huh. That's just north of Agate. Um, oh, what's the oh, word? I'm looking oh, for. Agate fossil beds, or thank you, Agate okay. fossil beds. So this is really fossil country. Our geoscience program up here on the CSC campus is uh, uh, known for uh, locating and and learning about all of the the, um, the fossil beds that are out here and the Hudson Meng fossil bed so if you're uh, a fossil person um, there's an old uh, bone bed where there I forget now how many prehistoric bison skeletons are found in this spot. They used to think it was a kill site. Now there's some discussion that it was a bunch of bison standing in a pond when the lightning struck. Oh, wow. Son of a gun. So, you know, <laughs> we're still arguing 10,000 years later. <laughs> right? It's like, how did it happen? Well, we really don't know. But bottom yeah. line is, it's like, uh, it's like you said, it's it's a it's a building that that is sits over this this bone bed, right? Basically, it's a it's it's a bed of bones, and so you can kind of go there and go, wow, this is kind of wild to see. And honestly, uh, I have not seen it yet because I'm always traipsing around in other places looking at wildflowers. So there's lots to see out there, and 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 lots to do, and and uh, and lots of great hiking trails. And Lucinda had mentioned Fort Robinson. I know one of my favorite trails is just uh, north of Fort Rob. I think it's called Mexican Canyon Trail or something like that, right? Mm, I'm not sure which trail that is. Like yeah. I said, there's a lot out here. I haven't right. found them all in 25 <laughs> years. Well, that was a cool so. trail, really cool trail. Yeah. And so out at Fort Rob, they have the Summer Theater. I got to put in a plug for Summer Theater. The yeah. um, the Post Playhouse has uh, shows. Up, I think they go from Labor Day or Memorial Day to Labor Day. And we have had, haven't had them for a couple of years during the pandemic, but they're up and running again this summer. So, great! Uh, if you want to get if you want to get out of Mother Nature for a while and go inside in the air conditioning and watch a show, those kinds of things are available for folks to do here too. 
just a great trip back west and uh, make you feel like you're, you know, in in a time in a time that needs to be back. We need to move back to move forward. That's what I'm trying to say. And so it, it, you know, go out to the Panhandle, make that part of your vacation, and, and explore Greater Nebraska, or the greatest part of Nebraska. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you commenting on that, Lucinda. So during Wildflower Week um, and and uh, and beyond, one thing you living there for 25 years. Um, are people actually gardening with the wildflowers that you tend to see out west, or is it, or is those wildflowers so uniquely um, just attached to the ecosystem they haven't really gotten into gardeners' hands because growers aren't growing them because they're difficult to grow, right? Well, there's a lot of a lot of uh, challenge to growing the wildflowers because they're not in the in the little four packs that you can buy because they don't look like much when they're in the right. <laughs> little four packs. No smiling so, faces. Yep, exactly right. So so what I'm finding is people are gardening more and more with the, the native wildflowers here, and they're doing it like gardeners always have done it. They're sharing seeds and sharing pieces of plants. Um, right now, while you and I are on the phone, we've got, oh, I can see four or five of the college kids that work with us are uh, harvesting the Rudbeckia triloba, the, the brown-eyed Susan oh, uh-huh. head, and they're scattering those up in a, oh, a part of the campus where we're trying to get uh, more pollinator plants going. And I lots of interest in pollinator plants. So um, as people share their plants and seeds and uh share the wildflowers that way. That seems to be how they're getting around out in this part of the country anyhow. And and I imagine the the campus, uh, you're demonstrating more wildflowers on campus too. And and, and what I was kind of getting at is there's some plants that grow there out in the panhandle that I don't think you and I are ever going to see in the trade. And I think that's one of the beauty of preservation, right? We have to preserve these areas uh, because you know, man's not going to be able to duplicate some little bunnery plant that's growing out of a rocky outcropping. Heck, that little bunnery plant that we see, and what I mean by bunnery, folks, is it's, it's like this little bun on the ground, you know, it's like a, a little succulent or whatever, and, and these things, I mean, that sometimes they'll be a couple feet wide, and you're looking at this thing going, is this thing 100 years old, right? Because they sure could be, uh, because sure. they grow so slowly, Correct. And especially at places like Toadstool or up on the bluffs, you'll see this tiny little phlox that starts blooming in, oh, April and May, the little bright white phlox, the name is escaping me. And it'll make a big mat or a little tiny mat, but you don't see those in the in the trade. I think they must be hard to grow because they have a long, skinny taproot. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's been my experience. If it, it, I hate to say it, but if you want to get into the business of losing money, you would probably try to propagate these things because you're going to lose half of them just in the container because they want out of their container into the ground. So it's a challenge uh, to try to get these into gardeners' hands. But there is a still a good mix of wildflowers that do grow in the Panhandle and and elsewhere in Nebraska that we can consider garden worthy. In the so so I'm curious, what are some of your um, like wildflower combinations that uh, you like? Maybe we can kind of go through the spring and and see uh, talk about you know some because I think you had told me in an email, Lucinda, um, about 
what you like to do is go out and collect bouquets of flowers when they're blooming at the same time. Obviously, you're kind of working your way around the garden, uh, collecting these things, and then taking a picture of it. Why are you doing that? Well, of course, maybe you want to show off the picture or keep it for nostalgia's sake, but, but why photograph those? Well, photographing things that are blooming at the same time means I have proof <laughs> that, yes. that they bloom at the same time. And doing plant combinations can be a little it, it can be a little bit tricky because I might have, um, for example, a red bud tree blooming in a particular color, and then I might see a tulip that blooms in a particular color, and they'll be just three weeks off from each other, so they're not blooming together. And they're so therefore they're not a plant combination. So if I if I'm picking bouquets and taking pictures of the bouquets, or sometimes just taking pictures of things blooming on the same day in the landscape, right, right, uh, then that tells me beyond the shadow of a doubt on that given year these plants were at peak bloom um, at the same time. And then those are the plants that I try to combine rather than have them polka dotted throughout the landscape. I try to have two, three, or more uh, plants nestled up next to each other that are in full bloom at the same time, making that combination that is that just bumps the the beauty of the landscape up just a bit. It's like power. So that's how I like to do it. And the photographing is either any given day or um, or bouquets that I have wandered around and picked. Sometimes you have to do that. Because and then you have to get permission from people to pick their right <laughs> if they're growing something that you're not. So uh, here's an example of one of the earliest spring blooming woody plants that we have is cornus moss, the cornelian cherry. Uh huh. Um, and it blooms on bare wood, taxicab yellow blossoms at the very same time jet fire daffodils. Ah. Uh-huh. And uh, Crandall's clove currants are in bloom. Okay. So I have planted together in a little cozy spot next to a brick wall on the east side of a building where they get a little protection from the wind. A, a cornice moss, a cornelian cherry, and then down below it and behind it, uh, several Crandall's clove currants, and then in the front of it, a foreground of jet fire daffodils. And every year, this kind of retina burning taxi cab yellow plant hey, combination. I love it. At a time when people are really hungry for color because it's been winter for five months. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, that Cornelian cherry dogwood, that's good to hear that it is, uh, is it rock solid hardy for you out in the panhandle? Absolutely. Cool. And I did not expect that, but yeah. I had seen them in Chicago in enough kind of not very good places for for things to grow you know like up on the south side of a building on the north side of the building on the west side of the building next to asphalt in the older parts of the town Uh um and i'd seen them there so i figured i'd try them here and and they are they do really well and every single year they bloom that is too cool. Yeah, and I can tell you folks, uh, well, I, I was mentioning earlier, listen, about Prairie Pines Nature Preserve. I'm giving a wildflower hike out there on Saturday to celebrate uh, Nebraska Wildflower Week. And folks, we will walk by a planting of Cornelian cherry dogwood. So if you come to the tour, you can say, what the heck is that 
that little tree you guys were talking about, well, well, Bagley planted a whole line of them. I think there's like, oh my gosh, 15, 20 of them along this line. Oh my God. Yeah. And when those things, uh, I'm after the fruit. <laughs> so I get permission to collect the fruit and it makes a fantastic wine. I can tell you a little, little puckery, a little, little sour, but, uh, uh, and, and good jelly too. But, uh, the, really the only dogwood I can think of that's edible if i remember right i don't think there's another dogwood we can eat and nor do you want to but this one for some reason is and but it's i don't a, know the birds like the other dogwoods but the cornelian yeah. cherry is the only one that i know that's edible or palatable yeah right <laughs> yeah i don't think i'd try the other ones because i'm not sure if they're poisonous or not but cornelian cherry dogwood is from china it's a chinese species and i've seen online pictures of it where it grows in nature and it makes sense that it would grow there where the, I mean, it was like a mountainside, like uh, like low mountains, you know what I mean? Not, not right, casket right. and tall mountains and, and, you know, obviously dry, uh, hot, um, that type of thing. So it, it, it makes sense that it's uh, at home in the panhandle, the you High Plains Drifter, you Cornelian Cherry Dogwood. Okay, yeah. uh, Lucinda, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you on the line, but I, I'm past break. I'm gonna take a quick break. Uh, it'll well, not be very quick, but I will take a break, and then I'm gonna keep you on the line. We'll come back and talk about some some other great combinations that you that you love. Okay. Back in Lincoln, back in style. Oh yeah, going to see Vanessa Collier tonight. Mm-mm, great show. One of my uh, all-time favorite shows at the zoo, so looking forward to that. Okay, I have Lucinda Mays on the program today from Shadron State College. We are out in the panhandle today here on How's It Growing, and uh, looking forward to uh, celebrating Wildflower Week out in the panhandle. We're talking about uh, plant combinations now with Lucinda. And uh, Lucinda, one one of the uh, things you had mentioned is that daffodil, and I know I've heard about this daffodil from you before, uh, not a Nebraska wildflower, but still uh, worth mentioning. Why do you like Jetfire so much, and is it still available for folks to order somewhere? Oh, yeah. Jetfire, um, like most daffodils, needs to be planted when soil temperatures cool off in the fall. So there's plenty of time to order it and have it bloom for you next spring. It's widely available by reputable suppliers. I don't suppose okay. you'd find it um, at a big box or anything like that. But if you order from a, a reputable bulb supplier, you're going to be able to get jet fire. I like it because it naturalizes so beautifully. It mm. spreads out. It's not a thug. It doesn't take over. Mm -hmm. But every year there's a few more blooms and a few more blooms. It's a cyclamenous daffodil, so it has that drooping form to it. Okay. Um, the other thing I like is its stems aren't too long. And so since it's an early daff, it's likely to get snowed on. So it's not going to do that big face plant in the snow <laughs> that it can't recover from. Right. <laughs> because it's a little short stem, so it tends not to be smashed flat uh, by snow. It comes back year after year after year. Um, tough, and and tough and dependable. Tough and and lots of substance to it. It's even with the winds that we get, it doesn't get tattered. Um, it's got a lot of oh, it, it's almost meaty in the petals. It's got so much substance to wow. it. I just can't say enough good things about it. I oh, like cool. a lot of the other miniature, as they're sometimes called daffodils, but that one is just I don't know, top notch. So 
Sweet. Jetfire. If I could only plant one little tiny daffodil, it would be Jetfire. And I know what you're saying with those little mini uh, daffies. They they tend to bloom earlier than the big, like King Edward, I think is a name out there that's been long been one of those other ones you're talking about that face plant in the snow and high winds. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. everybody likes them because the flowers are so huge. Why not go for a smaller flower, but more of them? And I think that's what happens to like the King Edwards, the bigger varieties, too, is they kind of phase fizzle out after a number of years, meaning they may have bloomed well for you in year two, but by year seven and eight, they're not offering a whole lot, right? Is that kind right, of what you right. see? Okay. Yep. So you're saying so, jet Jetfire says, yeah, oh yeah? Well, I'll naturalize. I'll keep making more little pups, and those little pups will bloom, and then it'll have babies, and it'll bloom, and, and pretty soon uh, you're going to have lots of free plants. So Jetfire's yep. a, a it's really It's really one of those ultra-reliable ones, and it was that way in Georgia as well as here in northwest Nebraska. Isn't that so? So in both locations... Although they bloomed at slightly different times on the calendar, <laughs> in both locations they just bloomed their little heads off. Oh yeah, so. I finally googled a picture of it while you were chatting, and uh, yeah, that is a, a cute little bird. And what would you say? Only about a foot high? Mm, not quite. Nah, probably not quite. Okay. Now, if we have a very mild winter, it might. No, I don't think it'd ever get a foot high. Okay. Maybe. Great. 10 inches, maybe? Cool. Maybe? Yeah. All right. We got to put it on the old wish list. And then, uh, um, so, so, okay, so that's one spring combination that that kind of heats up the season because they're all yellows and various, so you're you're playing with textures as well as different shades of yellow um, variations. Is there any other spring bloomer that you can tell our listeners they they shouldn't live without? Maybe let's think of a a native plant or two. Of course, the uh, clove currant folks that uh, Lucinda talked, uh, the Crandall is definitely native to Nebraska. And Crandall, I can tell you, was a selection... So I looked it up way back when, uh, made in Kansas, like in 1883. I don't know why that's in my brain, but... Uh, it's my, a good one. The fruit is nice, but why I really like it is for the fragrance of the blossoms. Yes. Oh, my gosh, it'll knock your socks off. It's uh-huh. sweet, and it's spicy, and it'll surprise you because it's blooming when the air is cool, and so a lot of perfumey plants aren't very perfumey when the, when the temperatures are low, but this thing will make a little cloud of perfume around it, even on a cold day. So uh, it's a great plant for the landscape. It's tough, tough as nails. It takes all kinds of pruning. So if it gets bigger than you want it, you can just prune it down. And it forces beautifully. So I can cut branches of that plant in bud, stick it in a vase of water bring it in the house and have uh-huh. that fragrance inside sweet sweet and uh, you know sometimes in nebraska with our you know more rainfall high humidity you know i've, I've had the plant you know in a in a stressful year whatever hot year it'll kind of defoliate on you in august but out in the panhandle i don't think that happens so much and the reason i bring that up is because if, in a good year man the fall color on that thing is outstanding Oh, I know. It's coral, isn't it? It's coral and orange and yellow and all the different wonderful colors. And, you know, what you described that happens in August, that kind of August meltdown, I think of it as, right. um, is something completely different that I'd never experienced gardening anywhere else we got <laughs> out here. August is prime time here. 
Isn't that amazing? I've never been able to say, oh, you should see it in August. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You should have been here last month. Well, uh, it was August. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. The grasses are heading up. The wildflowers are heading up. Um, All kinds of of, uh, the bittersweet capsules are coloring up and starting to split along their seams. And you can see that. Um, And then earlier in the summer, too, even before August, there's plant combinations that you can rely on. Always, always. I've pulled up a file here. I'm sitting at my desk. Yeah. And it's the first week of school. So that would have been probably like August 15th, a couple of years ago. And what I'm looking at is um, the cones on the Baccarat spruce are the same color as the capsules on the um, uh, bittersweet. So those pods are the same. And the black brown-eyed Susan Rudbeckia triloba, which you can't find. Uh, in the nurseries is blooming its head off. What else? You know, just all kinds of things going on. Yeah, Uh, that that brown-eyed Susan kind of gets a bad rap from some people. Well, it seeds all over the yard. But I'm like, yeah, but that's free plants. And and it kind of will seed in areas and create plant combination you wouldn't have thought of. It's because, like, I wouldn't have planted anything there. Well, the the brown-eyed Susan says, I'll take it. I'll take that space. And it can tolerate a lot of shade, full sun, um cute little plant for vases i think it's a great cut um and i like to even collect it uh and hang it upside down and dry it and use oh. it in dried arrangements and uh, prairie wreath arrangements it uh, it's a cute little addition with those little brown he- um seed heads and uh, yep. uh yeah and there's a new one out in the trade um that has more reds in the flowers that bluebird nursery carries and the name prairie glow i think it is um man oh, i, I, don't I know that. Yeah, I came across this thing, uh, oh gosh, several years ago um, on on East Campus back behind what's called Varner Hall here. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, who are you? Because I didn't recognize it. I'm like a small little Rebecca flower and didn't even think of Trilobum. And then I find out later, oh, yes, it was. Uh, So so look up Prairie Glow, folks, and... and, uh, try to find that baby it's i'm sure you can probably order it online somewhere but because it's a newer cultivar checking that out yeah yeah check it out it's i think it'll be worth i because i'm curious will it seed around like it's uh like it's you know parent and and hopefully it will because then you're probably going to get some cool variations in that that orange that orangish red uh tint that's in that those petals all right so so, so, so Lucinda, tell us about a few wildflowers as we celebrate Nebraska Wildflower Week that either spring, summer, or fall blooming wildflowers that, that you know, are finding their way into people's gardens and uh, for good reason. So is it, do you have some favorites out there? Oh, absolutely. The, um, the purple poppy mallow, cool. Calarowing. The purple poppy mallow is a reliable July bloomer. And it uh, it comes in kind of a creamy white, but the main color that I see out here is a, a burn your eyeballs out magenta color. Yes. And bumblebees just love it. And so anytime we can get a plant that uh, is attractive to the pollinators and is also attractive to people because of its color, then that, that plant is doing double duty. Boom. And, and it blooms at exactly the same time as... Uh, what they call around here the toothache plant, mm. which is an echinacea angustifolia, uh, narrow leaf, purple cone flower. Oh, uh huh. 
And the root, even the seeds, a little bit, if you chew on them, kind of numb your your lip or your tongue a little bit. And those two in combination are absolutely beautiful. And curly cup gumweed. Oh, wow. Huh. Blooms at the same time. So you've got the the lavender of the purple coneflower and the magenta of the purple poppy mallow. And then the gold, almost goldenrod gold of the curly cup gumweed blooming at the same time. Too cool. And that... Yeah. Uh, First of all, curly cup gumweed has probably one of the coolest names of all the plants out there. And I think uh, <laughs> s- some folks, we don't see it as much here in the East, but you do see it. And uh, I think it's regarded by some people as a weed. And uh, But I think it's garden worthy, don't you, Lucinda? It's absolutely garden worthy. And I have never had, at least out in this part of the state, and I have never had it misbehave in a garden setting. Um, it's not going to be as, uh, aggressive a grower as we might think of the um, uh, Rebecca Triloba, the brown-eyed Susan that mm-hmm. we were talking about seeding here, there, and everywhere. Curly cup gumweed will seed here and there, but it it's not going to outcompete a more vigorous grower. So, and that, I like it. That plant's kind of wild because you're looking at it and it's like going. It almost the, the flower buds and the in the open. It, it looks it looks wet and then you touch it and it's like, huh? It's sticky, real sticky uh-huh. and resinous. And uh, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a European introduction, right? It is a true Nebraska native, I believe. And it's a true native. It was. Yeah. It's one of the the um, plants real closely associated with the pharmacopoeia of plants used by the Lakota in this area. Yeah, that's what I thought. It had powerful. It was. It's. It's powerful medicine, and uh, I'd have to read up on it to see what it's used for. But, uh, but same thing. Like you'd mentioned, uh, the narrow leaf coneflower, also referred to as black Samson. Um, that one uh, is more difficult for us to grow here in the east. I must admit, um, it kind of got the three, three strikes you're out with me. Love the plant. I had it growing in a garden. You know, it's shorter than your typical. You know, echinacea that everybody knows, the purple coneflower, the, the garden one, the purpurea. But the, this one is a, a true western native. And, and it gets down into rocky outcroppings in south central Kansas and whatnot. But, man, in our high humidity, heavy soils, uh, you know, clay. Yeah, um, I can see how it wouldn't be real happy there. No. And it doesn't have that extra long bloom period that some of the other coneflowers have. Right, right. You know, it's two, maybe three weeks, and then it's done. But it's such a good medicinal plant. It has a lot of um, uh, uh, reasons to grow it, just for the novelty of chewing on it a little bit, too, for the fun of it. Oh, yeah, it has uh, the numbing effect, but also antibacterial, antifungal properties. It It is uh, is pure medicine no doubt about it and and i think there is actually people would go out and dig this plant in the wild for the root and of course we don't want to ever do that and it bothers me when i hear people oh yeah i saw this gorgeous butterfly milkweed growing in a road ditch you know maybe next to some prairie remnant and they dug the thing and brought it home and i'm like uh did you dig it and 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 then of course don't do it (laughs) You know, go pack and get some seed, man. Uh, but anyway, bad, bad. Don't do it. yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. 
Yeah, but I'm glad you mentioned curly cup gum weed just because for me, I just I think it's a woefully overlooked, underutilized plant. You can probably order seeds from somewhere. Just Google it as you're listening to us to see what it looks like. But it's uh, or or even Google medicinal benefits of curly cup gum weed because I guarantee it has them. I just can't remember off the top of my head. But it's an important. Well, it's, it's a cold remedy, I think, and it, and that sticky sap that you were talking about the the moisture that's on the outside of the bud. Mm-hmm. It smells very rosinous. It smells just no almost like pine. Right, no doubt. It sure does. It's just a, a gnarly plant, and the darn thing will grow in the crack of a sidewalk. It's that tough. So it's a uh, pretty amazing little plant. All right, Lucinda, so uh, any other cool wildflower plant combinations we need to be made aware of that you can think of. And Oh, and I don't want to leave the purple poppy mallow because it is becoming a very popular plant with gardeners. I can tell you that when we have it at the statewide arboretum it goes fast and uh it it never you know what i mean it 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 never lasts very long because it's so popular and so finally this plant because it kind of got a bad rap for a long time it's too much of this and too that it sprawls too much it gets too big it you know um i had one guy complaining to me because it was seeding all over his acreage and i'm like dude <laughs> that's a good thing you are Not a lucky guy <laughs> yeah you're a lucky guy <laughs> because that smooth brome is also sweet seeding all over your acreage so anything that will compete with that <laughs> hey lucinda uh, i have to interrupt we have a caller on the line dan is that you yeah hello hey how you doing oh i'm i'm outside uh, puttering around the yard as we speak. Awesome. But across from my friend's alley, here's a like a row, right? Wild growing. A friend told me it was burdock, and I believe him. Uh huh. And there's a lot of it, uh-huh. and it's like like it's just there growing wild. And uh, what could I? I'm told I told I couldn't do something with that. I'll let you go with that. Thanks. All right, thanks. Great great question, Dan. And yeah, burdock is uh, one of those from across the pond that was brought over as food stuff and medicine. And uh, we can use it for both uh, people. And uh, the root is oftentimes the most uh, the, the most useful part of the plant, but the flowering stalk, just, just so Dan, look up uh, uses of burdock, you know, uh, edible uses of burdock. You'll find they'll talk about the root because you want the first year plant versus the second year plant. And then the stalk, you have to peel before you can eat it, and you have to catch it before it. So there's certain things you need to learn about burdock, but there's tons of great information online about using it. And in China, where it's native, they they call it, uh, I think it's goji. Um, And you can actually purchase it at Oriental Markets, which we did last year and made a tincture out of it. So um, it's it's a great plant. And, and well, depending on how you look at it, but <laughs> it's a great plant for, for free medicine, that's for sure. I don't know if you know uh, anything about it, Lucinda. <laughs> I'm sitting here vehemently disagreeing with you when you say it's a great plant. Well, you know, not a great plant, but a great plant for medicine. And often, okay. you know what I mean? So take advantage of it because, yeah, it can be a stinker. And I imagine it's a real stinker out west, huh? It is. It's one of those weeds that you just kind of have to keep after. Um uh, and that's all right, too, because anything that puts roots in the ground is stabilizing the soil. And we have so much wind and so little water that our soils will blow around if we don't have something holding them in place. And so anything with a root like that, uh, that's one of the merits that it has is that it it uh, puts a lot of organic material down into the ground because it has an old big old root. No doubt. And, and just know this, Dan, is uh, to prevent that from getting any worse 
just don't let it go to seed. You know, you know the, the seed pods look a lot like a cockleburr. And in fact, if I remember right, uh, whoever designed Felcro used the... Uh, the seed pod of a uh, <laughs> of of a burdock to kind of uh, to figure out ah if this plant sticks to every part of clothing what if I what if I made this out of plastic and and patented it and now all of a sudden he stole nature's idea that burdock well, had it. I think you're probably right because it has those seeds have little little tiny hooked hairs that'll hold on to everything. Yep, yeah. I, I, I know I read that. Of course, other plants would argue and say, no, it was me. I'm I'm more clinging <laughs> than burdock will ever be. No, but either way, uh, yeah, Dan, uh, it can it can really take over your world, so be careful. And uh, and a lot of people kind of like, is this rhubarb? Because it has such huge leaves, but no. It's right, uh, but not. Completely but different not. animal. Just uh, put it side by side, the rhubarb, and you'll go, ah, oh, I see. Okay, I can tell the difference. Well, Lucinda, I'm, I'm, as you know, when we chat, it, we, could, we could talk for hours, uh, you and I, but we, uh, we'll, we'll have time to chat when we come out to the panhandle next week. I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, I'm, but for now, we're basically out of time on this fastest hour in radio. I, th I thank you for your time and, and uh, encouragement and uh, passion in some of these wildflowers and plant combinations that you chose for us and every time i talk to you i always put jet fire daffodil on my wish list <laughs> and uh you know he sold me once again so really appreciate right. it if only you can remember until september when it's time to get those bulbs in yeah i say i say that to myself every year when i have the few daffodils i have at home coming up and i'm like going why don't i just plant more what am i doing and then i space it off and then yeah time gets in the way. Oh, they're wonderful, aren't they? Well, I can't wait to see y'all. It's so great that the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum travels all around the state because we are a big state east to west, and it's really great to see all the different things that are happening. So, so glad you're coming this way. Can't wait to see you. All right, Lucinda. Well, thank you so much, and uh, order some great weather for you for us, will you? <laughs> I'll do my level best. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Lucinda, take care, and thanks for calling in today. Thank you, Bob. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that's Lucinda Mays with Shadron State College, and, and always appreciate uh, time with Lucinda, uh, one of my favorite guests on the program. Hope you enjoyed it as well. We will see you folks next week right here on How's It Growing. Until then, you have a great week, and uh, get out there and get gardening right here, right now. Have a great week. Bye. <laughs>